Hi guys, it's Doogie here from the Truck and Driver podcast. This is a bit of a bonus episode, this one. I'm talking to Joe, who works for a company which has successfully implemented a telematics system. We were being quite critical of telematics and how they were being used wrongly on social media, and Joe popped up and uh, he had some uh, interesting insights, so we decided to get him on the podcast and have a chat about it, and uh, hope you find that interesting. At the end of this, there's also a couple of interviews from Convoy on the Plane at Thruxton. I was experimenting using a mobile microphone and it worked when we were kind of indoors and in closed areas uh, but unfortunately quite a lot of the clips were just blown away by the wind so there's a couple bolted on to the end of this that I really don't have any space to put elsewhere so hope you enjoy this extra episode. Hello and welcome to the Truck and Driver podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin and I've got a special guest with me on today's episode. I've got Joe Ashton with me, who's the transport supervisor for an own account industrial laundry haulier. And Joe and I had been um, talking back and forth on Twitter. Um, I was on giving telematics quite a bit of a kicking, which to be fair, some of it was deserved because of the weird stuff that was going on. But Joe's company has um, quite an advanced telematic system and he was making a lot of good points and he said quite a lot of interesting things uh, about it all. So it, it, it intrigued me and I was like, well, I need to learn more about this because up until the point where Joe was talking about what his company was doing, uh, telematics, as, as far as we're concerned, is either not being used correctly they don't understand the data or um, it's just used to hit drivers over the head with a stick. But anyway, hello and welcome to the podcast, Joe. Hey, Doogie. All right, so you, your role as your transport supervisor. Uh, yeah, that's right. So um, on my depot, I've got sort of a team of about 15 drivers. I'm sort of normally office-based, um, sort of managing the drivers, but sort of do cover holidays, sickness, driver training, and sort of quite a few other bits as well. Uh, so a bit of everything. How are you? How are you getting on yeah. with the sort of um, with the driver situation at the moment? Everybody seems to be um, absolutely flat out with work, and also, I suppose, I'm looking to recruit drivers as well. Yeah, it, it's that thing. Sort of after COVID, sort of everything's flat out, and yeah, we've got a got a vacancy at our depot at the moment, and we sort of we've been struggling for quite a while because we're sort of predominantly seven and a half tonners, um, mm. and we're getting sort of no one coming into the trade. And everyone that passes a class two wants to be driving class twos. You don't want to be driving little puddle jumpers. So, so yeah, we've been sort of struggling for the last good four or five years, really, trying to recruit. Um, so we're sort of now going down the line of um, getting sprinter drivers in, sort of running them on sprinter vans for sort of six, 12 months and then putting them through through the licenses. It seems to be the only way that we can, uh, we can, we can get older seven and a half ton drivers. I've got to grow your own, yeah. I do remember when I yeah. passed when I passed my uh, rigid license, it was getting over 2009 maybe, to begin with, you wouldn't actually get near a full-size class two. You would have to spend quite a lot of time driving seven and a half tonners before you would be trusted to drive a bigger vehicle. But it's all kind of changed now. People just uh, get um, fired on the Arctics very quickly, never mind sort of anything else. So it does seem to be the solution to sort of train drivers. But seven and a half tonners aren't the sort of vehicles that people tend to look after. And it's not a vehicle that's associated with 
enthusiast as such, you know, guys that are like, you know, out polishing the wheels and the tanks and things like that. Um, so support as as a you want to get guys who are, I suppose, interested in the job, uh, and you know, interested in you know wanting to get the best out of their vehicle. Yeah, because because that, that that's one of the things that like seven and a half ton because you used to get it on your grandfather lights with your car license. It was almost like that default sort of backup plan for everyone that whatever industry they went into, if anything sort of bad happened, they can always jump into a seven and a half ton truck and go driving. Um, obviously CPC sort of knackered that up and people have to at least do the CPC card before becoming a driver um, but it was al- almost always that backup plan whereas now yes we are having to get people that do want to be truck drivers and sort of do want to be in this industry and, and all the rest of it so we are starting to get the ones that are sort of looking after the trucks each driver sort of assigned their own truck so they can sort of take a bit of pride in it looking after it if you're just like cap hopping all the time, then then yeah, sort of no one looks after the kit if you cap hopping. Yeah, that that's so important, I think, to to get guys to have you know one driver, one truck where possible, and that's something that I, I, I would find would happen much less uh, with rigids with distribution trucks that anybody and everybody would be jumping into them, and they'd invariably yeah. you know they'd be bits hanging off them and um, smash yeah. smash bits of plastic <laughs> yeah, and, and all that. Yeah, what's it? Um, what sort of vehicle? Uh, what sort of vehicles do you run at seven and a half tons? Um, the majority of the fleets are Mercatigos, um, but we sort of last two years we've been moving back towards DAFs. Um, so, um, sort of quite a lot of the new ones are DAF LFs. Are you running? Do you use? Because um, obviously, a lot of these still you can get them with like a normal five-speed gearbox, like a car. Are you moving towards automatics with them? Are you still got manuals? Uh, moving towards automatic, so yeah, all, all the Atigos are um, straight six um, gearbox, um, but yeah, the the DAF LFs are, are moving onto the auto box. Yeah, well, I mean, they're that smooth now, anyway. The, the, there's yeah. um, the old ones. I remember one of the worst things I ever drove was an MAN, the little one, the TGL, with a six speed automatic. Oh yeah, we've had, had a couple of them on higher. Yeah, it's a six speed automatic gearbox, and the throttle had two settings on it, and it was on or off. It was just yeah. <laughs> trying try, trying to back this thing like accurately or with any sort of um gentleness or it was just impossible. Um, but of course it's, it's changed that much now. But it's just even down at the lower the smaller weights of trucks, it's improved so much. But I mean, um, across the country, so your depot's got fifteen drivers. How much? How yeah. many trucks do they run nationally? So nationally, we've got three hundred and fifty vehicles on fleet. Um, so that does sort of cover everything from three and a half ton sprinters right up to um, we do have eight, 18 tonners and a couple of wagon wagon and drags as well so that the majority of the fleet is seven and a half ton but we do sort of cover everything right right up to, up to wagon and drag in terms of um, well telematics and, and monitoring and things like that I mean obviously everybody's been able to do the basics like monitor fuel economy for for a while and see what each different truck yeah doing and, thing, and things like that has the company always kind of had an interest in that um, that side of things or did um, a lot of things kind of happen kind of suddenly and there was a big change or is it yeah we've, we've sort of been doing it for quite a while um, so certainly like your MPG um, it even sort of harsh breaking that you get off the um, tacos when you do, um, we do we do monthly um, vehicle unit downloads so we've been sort of doing them for sort of quite a few years and we do a 
in interdepo league table that sort of monitors a couple of things, sort of tackle infringements, MPG and things like that, which we've been sort of running for sort of seven or eight years now. But it's only really been sort of the last two years um, where we've sort of put in this extra um, hardware into the trucks to sort of monitor more telematics and there's camera systems and things like that built into it as well. So it's, yeah, it's it's one of them we've been, sort of been dabbling for, for a while, but it's only been the last two years where we've sort of properly got into it. Yeah, because although I mean, there's kind of with cameras, I'm surprised that not every truck now is coming standard with a camera, like a side scan camera, as well as a front facing one. It's like they're not they're not standard fit from the factory, because um, it's just so it could get you out of trouble, and it it can prevent things happening as well because you can look at things on a screen. So what was the um, what sort of stuff have you got um, uh, in the trucks, and was that was there a kind of um, could things have been improved in terms of like the driving performance and things? Were there maybe like more kind of incidents than would have been ideal that there was maybe thought they could improve on? Yeah, so so we got the cameras fitted, um, all, all new trucks from about two years ago. So all sort of the 19 plate onwards had this new system fitted and then we retrofitted everything um, sort of Christmas this year um, to catch up so at least all the fleets on it now. So the system we've got is by a company called ViewBased in Manchester. And it's a forward-facing camera, in-cab camera that's um, just above the passenger seat looking over at the driver, and then a rear-view camera as well. The in-cab camera was sort of the tricky point, which obviously being a driver myself, obviously privacy and all the rest of it um, sort of played in, and there was a lot of sort of rumours going around with the drivers and you hear them in the yard talking away and all the rest of it. Um, but the system we've got sort of quite good that for us to request a video, we can only do sort of two minute intervals, two minute clips, and we've got to fill a form in on, on, on the sort of system login about which truck we want, times, dates, and then like say it only lets us do two minute video clips. We've then got to su- submit that to the company. They then have to sort of make sure it's a valid reason. So um, accident investigation, um, driver misconduct or something like that. Someone was wrong in reporting a driver's using the mobile phone, for instance. Yeah. Um, once you've sub- submitted that claim, it might take a, sort of an hour or two for it to get authorised, and then the truck um, then uploads it onto this cloud server. So there's all these rumours that I'll be sat in the office just viewing the video clips. Well, we can't. It might take sort of four hours to um, get that video footage once it's downloaded, and I can only sort of view two minutes at a time. Oh, well, that's, as soon as you mention like sort of yeah. driver facing cameras, yeah. the immediate thing yeah. that you're sort of thinking is that somebody's got a big wall of monitors, and they're sitting, just, yeah. there's somebody watching <laughs> just to see anything that happens or what is going on at all. It's kind of like a, it's um, it sets like alarm bells ringing. So that's quite interesting. Yeah, definitely. To hear that um, you know that it's you've got to have a reason to ask for, mm. you know, because something's obvious, something's happened somewhere along the line, it'd probably be like an accident or, you know, somebody's yeah. accusing you of, you know, road rage or something like that. So then you, so you go and put that um, request into, who's it going to? You're view-based, is it? Or yeah, it? yeah. So it, go, it goes into view, so it, it sort of goes out of the company. Um, so the, the software developer, they're the ones that sort of mm. authorise it and then, and then start the download. Um, and, and all the requests are sort of recorded as well. So I can't like request a video, watch it and then delete it. Mm-hmm. Once I've recorded it, it, it's there for everyone to see. So 
So yeah, we, we can't just sort of decide, right, I'll just view a random two-minute video clip because it will be there in the history that, that we requested it and the reasons why and everything. So mm-hmm. have you have you had much call to um, view uh, clips and things? Are you, any kind of examples of it, it being used to the advantage or, well, to exonerate a driver or to prove anything like one way or the other? Yeah, so um, we, we've had a couple of instances where sort of members of the public have rung up um, and, and a lot of the time it's just your driver's using his mobile phone and then we'll view the video clip and the driver's got both hands on his steering wheel so hell they thought he was on his phone, I have no idea. And there's been no sort of issue between the person that's rung up in our trucks. So it's not it's not like a retaliation of any sort of road rage incident or anything like mm. that. So it's, um, yeah, the general public do amaze me sometimes. <laughs> Uh, you do get strange. Um, you do get strange phone calls yeah. coming into haulers about people who don't understand yeah. the highway code and <laughs> yeah. things. Yeah. If you've got your number on the side of the lorry and, and stuff, so yeah, and and we've we've had a couple of accidents, not not on our site, um, but on a couple of the other depots as well, where because we've had the cameras, we've been able to go back to the insurance, send them all the video clips, and what could have been a two sides of a story and no witnesses or anything like that where they'll probably end up just set, settling for 50-50 because we've got the cameras fitted and everything we've been able to um, sort of pursue insurance claims and things like that so um, one of the main reasons we got the system was because a couple of years ago we were having sort of quite a few incidents nationally that looking at all the camera f- um, like f- photos that the driver had taken post-crash and all the rest of it it was sort of 50 50 of who was to blame and all the rest of it and our insurance like the premiums and, and the excess per claim was was get starting to ramp up so working with our insurance company they sort of recommended us put the system in um, to try and reduce our costs which it is starting to do we are now starting to get pretty much every incident that is covered there's now video footage of it um, so we can send that to insurance and yeah it's certainly helping us fight claims mm-hmm. well that, that's um uh, that's quite interesting. That that I mean, I suppose it was there quite a bit. It was a, a bit of driver resistance to to it in the beginning. And, and how did they how did they kind of feel once it had been explained? Did they kind of uh, relax? Would you say when when it was kind of explained how the system would yeah. work? Yeah, when when it first came in and it was installed to all the trucks, and then um, policy came out for him to sign, saying these are the reasons why we can view the footage and all the rest of it. There was pretty much every morning there was drivers huddled around in little circles having chats and um, whinging and twining about it all um, and there was a lot of resistance um, but yeah we, we ended up sort of putting a I, I ended up just doing a lap of the local town um, in one of the trucks putting video requests um, and we basically sat down with each driver in, in the office and showed them right this is what we need to do to be able to request a video this is what the cameras see because um, there was a couple of drivers that were concerned that it'd be recording on the brakes. Um, well, it doesn't. As soon as the ignition's turned off, it'll stay recording for a minute. So if you do have a crash and the truck loses power, it'll keep recording to get sort of any aftermath of any RTCs. Mm-hmm. But then after a minute, it just shuts down and turns off. So if you're on your 45-minute break, after the first minute, the rest of it's unrecorded. Yeah. Um, so, so explaining that to drivers, a couple of drivers sort of were saying, well, did you up their online banking and they might have the ignition turned on so the aircon's going in the summer, that type of thing. Um, so we're showing them like the quality of the cameras to say that in the cab before in the online banking, the camera's not good enough to be able to read the mobile phone screen. I could, I, I got a sheet of paper with a marker pen and held, held it up to me and you could sort 
like barely read it um so it can see like drivers actions and, and movements and were they checking the mirrors or were they playing with the phone or something like that but it's certainly not a decent camera enough to be able to read how much the, their, their bank balance off a mobile phone online banking screen or yeah. anything else like that so it, oh. it's that thing if you sit down and explain to the drivers why it's there and um how we use it um yeah. then yeah after that it's a lot more relaxed after that yeah, because we're, we're hearing some crazy stories coming up on, on Twitter mm. from companies are saying that um, if you take um, if you take a drink out a bottle of water while you're driving along and you get seen, then it's an instant sacking offence. And I'm like, I'm not even. I was actually meaning to follow that up with somebody because I'm like, sure, that I, that can't possibly be real because rumours do, uh, you know, grow legs and, and run wild uh, oh, yeah. among drivers. And I'm, so I needed to go and look some of that up and that there is some there are some companies that have had telematics installed and mm. i don't know what what the telematic company's done if they've just installed it and run away and not explained to them how to use it or the person that's got access to it doesn't know how to use it because there's um there's some really there was some really strange stuff where the guy was saying that the woman was um phoning him up and saying why is your um um, you're not in the green band, and he's like, "Yeah, it's because my truck's in eco roll." And she's like, "Oh, you're in the blue. Yeah. You shouldn't be in that." And like, "Well, that's because my engine brakes on." And she's like, "Well, can you stop doing it, please?" And it's like, "Well, no, that's completely not how you drive a truck. That's not what it's for at all." <laughs> Obviously, you've got that side there for sort of um, security in case of incidents to cover cover you and cover the driver so you've got that uh, yeah. but you've also got another yeah. side or another side of it whereby you're trying to kind of improve the improve the way that people are driving in a positive way and reward them for it rather than using it as a stick to beat them with which is what a lot of telematics operations seem to be doing yeah it's it, it's one of them that it's very easy for sort of any any transport management that an, an email will come through or they'll get an end of day report end of week report where it's as such and such a truck's been idling for 10 minutes that day. And it's very easy that when that driver walks into the office, give him a balking for, for, for idling or like you were saying about um, idling when actually the truck's on eco roll and um, over revving, even though it's actually the engine brake. And what we do is actually rather than bollocking the drivers for getting these alerts, sort of see it as a bigger picture into their um, sort of driving standards. And then when we do driver assessments and things, so sort of, work that into a driver development plan to improve their driving. Uh, um, so, so so if a driver's getting sort of lots of harsh brakes coming through, then that's usually they'll be sort of ticking two or three things. So they might be getting lots of harsh braking, but then the MPG might be down on that truck. So it's sort of rather than using that data to pull up the driver, it's using that data to work out how can we improve that driving. So when we do the driving assessments, we already know that if they're getting lots of harsh braking and the MPG's poor, are they leaving the braking lane right, right to the last minute before swinging into side roads and running through traffic lights on the speed limit rather than anticipating for them to, sl- to, to change and that type of thing. So it's it's using the data to work out how to improve and develop their driving rather than using the data to just beat them with a right, stick. Cause yeah, because there was like bizarre cases of like somebody might have like four mm. harsh breaks over the course of a week when you're out tramping, and it's like, well, 
that's yeah. that's like, that's isolated <laughs> cases. That's a car pulling out in yeah. front of you, which can yeah. cutting you up, which will happen mm. several times. I suppose if you're constantly triggering a harsh brake thing, you would be getting dozens of them. I suppose if you're continually yeah. like driving it, like you, you've stolen it, sort of thing. And again, it's the same with the steering as well. Does it pick up um, steering inputs as well? Like if you're like kind of yanking on the wheel too yeah. hard and all right. Yeah, so it does. Um, we, we've actually started sort of doing it nationally um, th- this last month, actually. Um, so on Monday, I got an email with, with a report for pretty much every truck um, for the whole of July that does like harsh, ac- well, acceleration, cornering, braking. And it sort of, it, it just gives the truck and then, and then a score in each of the categories and then an overall driver score. So it's one of them that rather than beating a driver with a stick saying you're doing too much harsh braking, you're cornering too strict and all the rest of it, we just use that data to sort of factor it into their, their sort of driver development plans when we, when we do the driver assessments. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives us a good good, good overall view of sort of their whole driving standard. If you sort of link everything together with the telematics and the harsh braking reports from the TACO and like the MPG figures and all the rest of it we get, um, we can sort of get quite a decent picture of how that driver's driving and, and sort of ways, ways for them to improve. Yeah, that's quite a, um, how often do you do the driver assessments? Um, we, we do every driver at least every 12 months. And then depending on what's on their development plan, we might go out with them more frequently. So some of the drivers might just be a case, yeah, that was a really good, safe drive, um, driving at a good standard, see you next year. Um, it might be a case of here's two or three things to work on, um, but they're not particularly major. So we might re- come out for a day um, six months down the line. But it'll be sort of more of an informal sort of the second time around. I'll just jump in the passenger seat and they'll do their route and um, we'll sort of talk things through as we go. Um, right. Sometimes it might be sort of monthly, depending sort of right, what so, we need to work on. Well, it sounds really quite unusually proactive and in-depth mm. for developing and um, training drivers because a, a, a large proportion of hauliers, I mean, you would never get any of that um, at all. Um, you just get handed no. keys, keys and away you go. And you won't yeah. get like sort of MPG figures um, through. Um, what's your sort of how? What's the sort of differential you can get? You'll find between like the best and the worst is because obviously, I mean, you, you, your worst guys would obviously be working on them. But what's your kind of what's the kind of worst figures that you've seen um, since it came in? What's the what's the kind of better ones? Like, what what kind of difference can this make? Quite a decent difference. Um, before we start, when we were just doing the driver training before the telematics came in, um, we had a couple of drivers sort of knocking around sort of 14 and a half, 15 miles to a gallon. Some of the sort of the top drivers were getting 18 to a gallon. So, so a good sort of three and a half, four miles to a gallon difference, um, which when, when most of the trucks are doing about a thousand Ks a week, which obviously for a lot of the guys that are out tramping and, and away all week, a thousand Ks isn't, isn't a lot. Yeah, it's stop, um, start as well, it's, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's all stops that predominantly towns and things like that. So it's it's that thing that if we can work on the on the driving style and get them keeping it rolling, um, rather than hammering on the brakes and having to get it going again, um, certainly stops that around times. It makes a massive difference. It's interesting that because I, I don't think you would see a lot of that in sort of uh, Arctic in a the sort of higher end of um, uh, the weight scale compared to the to the yes. um, the lighter end, but. Uh, um, do you do 
you say you've got league tables between um, the depots and things. What's an offer for the drivers? Sort of in terms of like rewards and things for what for doing sort of doing sort of well and improving and driving to a good standard. Is there kind of you know is there something there for there for them to aim for? Yeah. So what we what they usually do is um, if you get a full year of no tackle infringements, um, usually sort of get um, get a load of vouchers and things like that for at the end of the year that you, you can do Christmas shopping and things like that with. And then drivers that have that sort of win the league table, um, well, the top three get prizes. Um, so our depot has come third um, for the last two years, and each of the drivers got about 30 quid's worth of um, either vouchers or um, a couple of slabs of beer and that type of thing. That's, that's all right. What, what does the top one mm-hmm. get? If you, what, who's the best um, depot? Yeah, it's it's usually our Leeds depot. Um, so yeah at at the moment sort of based on um, they haven't quite compiled all the data yet for for July's league table but at the moment sort of the end of June us us and Leeds are um, top top, joint top at the moment so yeah it's got to be a (laughs) halfway through through the year and we're joint top so yeah it'll be an interesting sort of back back half see if if we can just just sneak out in front yeah no it's interesting that you do because you do have like a challenge on your hands with the fact that you're seven and a half tunnels Mm. And it's good that yeah. you, you, if you've got any kind of guy, you do get guys that are just like cleaning and sort of polishing mad and are, are genuinely interested in yeah. trucks. But they're sort of maybe a bit harder to come by at the, the sort of lower end of the weight scales with trucks. But if you can encourage them uh, to maybe take yeah. a bit of sort of um, more interest in the vehicles, like you say, then um, it'll all kind of feed into feed in to a kind of positive um, sort of outcome. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting that. Even though we're only sort of seven and a half tonners, we do, we do have a couple of drivers that only have the seven and a half ton license that are sort of the old breed drivers still. Um, so you've got two drivers that have been with us 30 years and they are sort of, um, when they get back into it, yeah, they'll be polishing trucks and um, giving it a good clean out. And, and one of the guys has a nine-year-old truck and it, it's it's cleaner than some of the 17 and 18 plate trucks. Um, yeah. It takes really good care of it. Um, whereas, yeah, a lot of the sort of not younger drivers, because most of our drivers sort of in the fifties and sixties, but the ones that have sort of done a different industry and sort of come into driving later, they're not quite at that same mindset that they will sort of look after the trucks. But it'll be a case of just giving it a quick blast with pressure washer once a week rather mm. than sat there polishing all dust off dashboard and things like that. No, that's a, it's quite interesting to hear that um, sort of different side of. Um... Mm side of things and how it, how that works uh, in sort of a positive manner um, to try and, um, you know, reduce costs in the company, uh, which um, is obviously important with um, the price of diesel and the fact that wages are under pressure and everything as well, you know, you can't, you can't, have yeah. a, if you want a wage rise, then you need to burn less diesel and be more efficient, I suppose, as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's one of them that if you want to be if you want to be paid like a professional driver, you have to be a professional driver, don't you? Rather than just a steering wheel attendant. So if you can sort of prove it by sort of hitting time to your best in, in that job, um, then yeah, the company will sort of look after you. We you if you're dinging your truck every week and um, UMPG's crap and all the rest of it, then then yeah, you're sort of not really a professional driver. Are you? You're just you're just doing it as a job rather than than putting the effort in. Yeah, definitely.
that's been interesting to hear some of those uh, things. Is there any other um, aspects of the, the system or the ways that, uh, that the work that you think we need to uh, mention or cover? I don't know if there's anything or so, not. Because we, we've mentioned the no. sort, of, sort of way that we've mentioned the way yeah. that the cameras work and, and the way that you know you can't yeah. just sit and watch it. And you you can only get the sort of um, the clips, and there's got to be good reasons and the, um, mm. sort of the, the the kind of intelligent monitoring of the steering and the, um, the braking and things. So it's not just you know the the bizarre way that people go about go about using these systems. You know, it's uh, it doesn't it really doesn't yeah, make it's... a lot of sense to me as to why they would spend all that money installing it and then make it you know so the driver. It, you're making a driver more stressed and like less a stressed driver, an unhappy driver is less likely to want to do well for you. So it's um, it's kind of self defeating. Some of it, I think, uh, it's not been implemented properly, and it's not been. Uh, they don't know how to use it. A lot of companies, really. Yeah, well, that, that that's pretty much hit the nail on the head. That you're 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 giving the keys to to however many tens of thousands of pounds worth and obviously our takes hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of kit once you've got your trailer and the load on and all the rest of it but you don't trust them to actually drive the truck and and it, it's very easy like we we're saying before it's very easy for um a transport office just to keep hammering drivers and giving them bulking whereas it, it's that thing you keep bulking drivers you get fed up all the time they don't they don't improve. Um, they just sort of get disillusioned, fed up, and then they'll leave and, and go elsewhere. Um, so it tends to be the, dry, the the firms with sort of the high high staff turnover. Oh, Whereas if you use that data to interpret how and to improve them sort of positively, it's it's that thing positive engagement. You'll get people motivated to to improve themselves. If you just bulk them, they just get fed up and leave. Yeah, exactly. And I've, I've noticed that I've been, well, I've been doing a lot of um, interviewing over the past week for the current issue of the magazine. I've got a lot of um, material going into it. And we tend to, on Truck and Driver, we tend to feature it's like good guys. You know, it's the guys that have got mm-hmm. um, nice nice kit. To, they're good people and they're, they're kind of family-run firms. And it's interesting to note how low the staff turnover is at some of, the, some of these companies. There's guys that have been there like 30, 40 years. Um, yeah. And they just don't they don't move on because they're um, they're content and they're happy and then you get the the firms that have got yeah the notoriously high staff turnover and they're always recruiting for drivers and things and you're thinking but they should maybe be looking a bit inward and saying you know why is it that we're constantly having to battle battle to do that yeah and it's certainly with wages and things now the the the, the firms that are offering the four grand retention bonuses and that type of thing it's like well if you looked after your drivers and 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 treat them as an asset rather than just someone to drive the truck because automation hasn't come back come in yet Mm. um and i don't then then yes i can't see too much of a sort of automation working in the uk because the driver's such a fundamental part of things that are going on and it's just it's designed if you're driving through the desert in arizona or something like that then fair enough but not it's mayhem here, twenty four hours a day. It's just it's, it's that's just, an understatement. Uh, it's just not. It's it's not something that's going to be easily uh, implemented. Uh, certainly not full on uh, automation like driverless trucks. It's not. It's yeah. people who go on about that don't know anything about transport and how fundamental the driver is to the the operation and how how important he he or yeah. she can be in actually getting things getting things done you don't yeah. just slap the yeah. slap the thing on the side and go right away you go 
go down the road and we'll see you later back your robot truck. It just doesn't work like that. You you need people, uh, like motivated, um, good people to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, and that, that thing truck truck drivers have got to be around for a long time, and that that thing sort of the bigger firms sort of need to realise that truck drivers have got to be here a long time, and there's there's a finite size of pool of drivers, so they need to sort of if, if you look after your drivers, they'll stick around mm-hmm. um, rather than having to. It, it just goes to show, doesn't it? Most most of the big firms you'll drive past depots, and there'll be a permanent sign saying oh, drivers yeah. wanted apply within. Like yeah. you're saying, the, the smaller family firms. They, they, they never advertise because yeah, well, drivers do leave, it's word of mouth. Yeah, well, I had a couple of parties say, we can't co- cope with that. And I was like, if any of your guys left and walked into one of those places, it would be back within a week. They're not going to sit and stick it out because it's not going to be a desirable thing to them, really, overall. No, so, no. <laughs> um, what's, so what's, um, what's your plans for sort of, um, are, you, are you doing much driving at the moment? Are you out and about much... Um, with summer holidays yeah, and things so, that are going, pandemics and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so, so, so the way we sort of, we're geared up is um, out of the 15 drivers, we have sort of 13 trucks on the road. Um, so we can have two drivers off on holiday at a time and we'll have sort of two full-time relief drivers that, that sort of rotate themselves around covering the holidays. Um, at the moment, we do have a vacancy, so I'm, I'm pretty much doing doing the route that's that short a driver until we can, can get one, mm. get another driver in. Um, as well as obviously doing all office work and things like that. So it's mm-hmm. um, where, where is it you're yeah, based long, out of? Um, based out of Lancaster. Lancaster. Well, if there's anybody listening yeah. that wants a job in a seven and a half tonner with a progressive modern firm, get in touch with us and I'll pass your details on. Um, <laughs> not a problem. No, it's been quite, it was interesting because that initial was sort of, I've been really active on Twitter over the past few weeks uh, with one thing and another with everything that was going on and, you know, that telematics press release that set me off was the one where it said it could watch you sleeping in bed, you know, and it could check and see if you had like uh, maybe, uh, you know, sleeping problems or family issues. And I was like, that is insane. I was like, that you can't. Yeah, that's, that's a step too that, far. That's bonkers. But then it, it was also interesting because um, you, you kept popping up with answers to stuff um, that um, were things that we hadn't heard of and encountered before. And I was like, well, that sounds actually. That sounds um, sensible. Um, that isn't going with the with the narrative that we've had so far with it. So it was interesting. It was good to be able to get you on the podcast and to to learn yeah, some of the, the details. Learn some of the details on that. So I uh, thanks very much, Joe. Um, all the best with um, your recruitment and your driving. And I'll sure I'll be in communication with you on Twitter going forward in due course with all the mayhem that's going on at the moment. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, cheers, Diggy. Thanks very much for the invite. Thank you. Cheers, thanks. Okay, so now we've got a couple of interview segments from Convoy on the plane at Thruxton. As I say, I was having a bit of an experiment with some recording and a lot of the interviews just simply didn't come out properly, but these are a couple that did. So I hope you enjoy listening to to them and I have learned about doing uh, mobile podcasting for the future so when I'm at some of the shows and events I'll be able to get a better result starting with the Retro Truck Show in a couple of weeks time. Cheers guys bye bye 
Hi, I'm over at uh, chatting to some of the guys from Lenham Storage. Um, here with Ali Keating, who drives a Volvo FH. Ali, how have you been enjoying the show this weekend? Uh, the show's been great, to be honest. It's bigger than what I thought it was going to be because of the COVID restrictions and stuff. And weather's been good, bit of rain and stuff, but quite a lot to see, like more than what I thought there was going to be. I'm surprised at how good the weather is today because the forecast was like shocking like all weekend. You wouldn't have been able to get out to many many shows last year with things being cancelled. Um, do you get along to... Do you get, when things are normal, do you manage to get along to a few shows and things over the summer? Yeah, not not uh, last year we got we did Devon. We managed to get into Devon even with the restrictions. Uh, we normally do Shepton Mallet Truck Fest. The last, last time there was a show here at Thruxton, we did that one. That would be a couple of years ago now. So it's been great to get out and get back to the shows. We did Devon last weekend. Uh, we're at Thruxton this weekend, obviously. And uh, I think the next one we're doing will be Shepton Mallet Truck Fest in September. How many of you have uh, come along here? We've got your Volvo here and we've got this um, Mercedes. Is this an Actros one beside? Mercedes Actros, yeah. Uh, and another Volvo down at the end here. Yeah, yeah we've got the two Volvo FHs and our Mercedes Actros Rigid. Uh, so there's three of us t- right, this, this weekend. Is there a few years that like to go along to the the shows and hangs and events. Yeah, we, we had a couple of other guys that used to come to the shows with us, like, but they've, they've moved to another company now. So the the guys that used to go, we're now sort of whittled down to two or three of us now, but there's a few guys in the yard that are sort of prepping their vehicles, hopefully maybe go to Shepton as well. Oh, that's good. I, well, tell us a wee bit more about um, the truck that you drive. It's an FH, is that a Globetrotter XL? Yeah, it's the big XL FH 500. It's, it's a real nice truck, to be honest. I enjoy driving it. I find Volvo's very comfortable. Uh, that one's got a fridge in there, so you can have like a bit frozen, a bit chilled. And for the, for the work that we do, it's great. So hopefully we'll get some more of them. Like the FH500 is one of the the best all-rounders uh, you can get. It's kind of hard to, for a driver's point of view, I think it's really kind of hard to to pick fault with. Uh, what sort of what sort of work is it you're doing? Are you are you out out and about tramping or things? Or? No, I don't do tramping myself. I'm one of our night drivers. I've sort of, sort of got a set run that I do. Uh, it's four or five shops that I go to for one of the contracts that we have. Uh, it's ni- nice motorway work. Three or four drops in a night and then back to the yard. That is Baby Shark. Uh, coming from uh, Rogers Iveco Sway, I've heard that a few times over the co- over the course of the weekend. I uh, so you're out on a night shift. Night trunk, night, night trunk work, yeah. How do you get on with um, the road closures and things with the routes that you take? Do you get affected by that all that all that much? <laughs> road closures—that's the bane of my life, if I'm honest. At, so at night, less traffic, but the roads get closed. The other night, I was in Wales, and every route that I went on to get to Monmouth each main A road was shut and I was backwards and forwards backwards and forwards and it can be a nightmare at night especially when the highway shut them without actually letting you know and the matrix signs on the motorway are not lit up letting you know and your tom tom says the road's open so you head that way and you find out that it's closed it can be a bit of a pain it is like that's the the, the complaint that most um, night shift drivers will come up with is um as, as the road closures at night and I, w- I was just wondering that because obviously um, it doesn't seem to matter where in the country that you go that you're going to 
you seem to encounter it and even if you prepare yourself as well as you possibly can they'll still try and do you over a bit our, our trucks are all fitted with sort of the tom-tom and they're all sort of live updated mm. so that, so as you're driving along your tom-tom's sort of saying turn left here you're turning left there and you find out that the road's shut because the highways people have just closed them at a roundabout and then it's depending on what height trailer you've got it could be a bit of a nightmare finding your diversion round because you press a turn out of route on the tom-tom and it still sends you the way it wants to send you like so I can find they can be bad as well for the highway the highway's official diversion routes as well are sometimes far from um, ideal if you've got a bit of local knowledge then you can sometimes take a route that's far better than the one that's on offer from them but it's uh, I mean if you're if you're new to the job if you're out there doing that sort of for the first time and everything it's uh, it can be frustrating and can it uh, scary stuff yeah, well, I, I, I will still recommend to you guys that are coming into industries get yourself a good map book that's mm. got the truck bridge heights on it. So if your Tom Tom does send you down a route that you're not sure of, at least you can pull over and a quick look. No low bridges, crack on like so. I'm needing to update my truck atlas actually, aye, because they, they, even if you're not you, you don't use it to plot um, routes in the way that you would use an old Z of old, but it gives you a reference points between where you are and where you need to be and you can work out alternative routes around places. I think there's a Google map app that you could put in Google and it'll show you all the bridge heights in the UK. So if you've got your iPad or something, if you ain't got a map book, you can put Google bridge heights and you can see all, all, all the bridge heights and you can pick one. And I was right, if you, go into, if you, if you Google it, it'll update, um, you can actually get that to, to pop up onto Google Maps and it'll show you all the low bridges in the country, which yeah. is a handy... Handy sort of uh, thing to have, aye. What's your uh, plans for the rest of the day then? Um, a bit more polishing as, as normal. Um, probably have another walk round to see what other trucks are here. Definitely try and catch a bit of the truck racing. Like, you kind of miss that when you're polishing and people asking, like, talking to you and stuff. So by the time you hear the race going on, you can miss the end of it. Like. Uh, well, I've got the honour of driving the MAN pace truck for the race that's on at 2 o'clock. Oh, mate, I'll, so I'll watch that one. I've got to go and t- take, it round, take it round there. What you can actually do as well is uh, the race is broadcast live on YouTube um, as well, every round of the truck racing. So obviously at Thruxton, you can only see a wee bit of the track and it's a two and a half mile long circuit. But if you go into your phone, um, you can log into YouTube and then you can watch the entire race and also catch the bits that are coming past yeah. you live as well. So that's what I was, When I stood up there yesterday, that's what a couple of people in front of me were doing. But they were saying it was on like a 10-second delay or something. So they were watching the trucks go past, watching them come round on the iPad round the back there. Oh. And then they were seeing them come flying past in front of them and then it catch up on the iPad. <laughs> so it was quite funny watching them saying, oh, we've seen that go past us already. That was quite funny. Oh dear, no, it looks perfect conditions. Oh, perfect conditions for it. Aye, no, it's a, it's been um, lovely to get back out and um, be be a bit so, sociable again. Eh? And it's a good attendance here today. Like the car park's rammed yeah. full of folk and all. So aye. yeah, I'm impressed with how many people have come in. Actually, see it. It's it, almost as if COVID doesn't exist just now. There's plenty of people, and it's it's great. Everybody's happy for a change. Ah, you tend to forget, eh? It's a nice taste of normality, eh? Long may it continue. Hopefully, eh? All right, thanks very much. Cheers. Thank you very much. Right, my next stop has been to come along and meet uh, Mickey O'Tang, as you might know him off of Twitter, or Mickey O'Brien, 
uh, yeah, I'm sitting in his um, show trailer, which is um, hooked up to a Scania 144V8. Quite an impressive looking bit of kit. Mickey, tell us a bit about yourself and um, this truck, because uh, you're not... Um, you're not a lorry driver, you're an electrician to trade. That's right, yeah, I'm an electrician, yeah. But I grew up around lorries my whole life, and my dad had his own haulage firm. So as a kid, I'd be out in New Haven in the, in the younger years, helping him wash the lorries, clean them, diesel. I mean, I learned to drive a lorry before I could drive a car. He taught me how to drive an old, old Mercedes, which was an old shunter, so I used to drive that around the yard as a kid. But as I grew up and got into it more and more and more, um, all, all I ever wanted to do was be a lorry driver, nothing else. Didn't, didn't have no interest in anything. And then in them days, you couldn't drive till you was 21. So my old man was like, you're not driving, I'm not paying for your lessons, you get yourself a trade, so if that ever goes wrong, you've got something to fall back on, and then, when you're 21, I'll pay for your lessons. So that, that was the deal. So I'd done all that, used to go with him during the holidays to Spain, abroad, all over the place, um, for TREs out of New Haven, and then he worked for Davies Turner. And then as soon as I hit 21, Dad was like, right, let's get you in, we'll do your lessons, a deal was a deal. And in the end, I was like, I've got no interest in it, Dad. I've got drinking, girls, going out and all that. And I was like, nah, nah. sitting alone in a lorry in the middle of Spain for a weekend don't appeal to me now. So I, I didn't bother. But it's an itch that I've always had. Mm-hmm. And then a few years down the line, got married, kids, ruin your life as we all do. And then it was just an itch, so I had to get it. So I bought the lorry, bought the trailer, and here we are sort of thing. The trailer itself, um, a tandem axle uh, box trailer, um, how long have you had it for? I bought this in the fir- during the first lockdown, this was. It was on eBay, um, and I had a bit of a deal with him with the geezer. He'd spent a lot of money on it for its MOT, new tyres and tanks and stuff. And his company, unfortunately, was going pear-shaped due to COVID, so he was selling all his kit. So I phoned him up, done a deal with him, and um, I got it for a measly sum of 620 quid. I take it it was just a, a bare-shell box trailer at this point, aye? Yeah. So you've done that, because um, obviously it's got, um, all the walls have been panelled out in it, um, we've got some couches in here, uh, uh, it looks like the beginnings of a bar, and... Uh, Don't forget the strip pole. Uh, yeah, and a, and a stripper's pole, <laughs> right, right enough there, aye. So this has been, what would you describe it as, a lockdown project? Yes, yeah, just me and my wife have done it, it's just the two of us have spent every Saturday, if we've had a Saturday available, and we've been doing it, I've been very fortunate to keep it in a friend's yard, so we can just bring it home on the weekend and then spend Saturday down there. And on a Saturday night during the lockdown, it's been a bit of a saving grace because we've come out of the house, got a few bottles of beer, ordered some food, come down there, sat here with the kids, had a game of cards, and just, just to feel like you've gone out of the house and done something rather than sitting indoors. It's been nice. It's been a saviour, really. What about the um, Scania? How long you had that for? Um, I bought that at Peterborough in 2019. I saw it there. Walked past and just, just looked at it, saw it, and I was like, if I had the choice, I'd buy that. That would be a bit of me. So I started chatting to a fellow and he said to me, um, it's for sale. It actually came from a company called TNA Freight. Uh, they had it. And I was chatting to them. He said it was up for sale. So I started talking to the fella and then left, went home thinking about it and then tried to find it. Couldn't find the company. Didn't find any contact details for them and lost it for about two weeks. And then all of a sudden I got a message from another fellow on Twitter saying, is that the, is that the lorry you were looking at? He went, yeah, so I found it on eBay. So I phoned the bloke up, done a deal with him for it, went to pick it up, and then he rang me on the phone. He said, you can't come and get it for two weeks. I'm going away. So I was gutted. I paid for it. and never even got to go and get it. So ended up going to get it two weeks later. And it's just used to pull the train around, go to shows and have a laugh in. Aye, so um, what was the um, history of the truck? Do you know much about it? Not a, not a great deal. I know it came from, I think it's the Devi Brothers in Northern Ireland. I think it came over from them. And then it went to the TNA Freight in, in Cambridgeshire Way. He then spent, Adrian his name was, nice fella, 
he then had all the interior done in it and that. And then due to emissions, Euro standards, he couldn't run it no more in and out of London. So it was up for sale and lo and behold, here we are. Ah, so this is um, your new kind of uh, venture, shall we say, your new projects. Just um, is this the first time it's been out somewhere? Yeah, we've never, we've never took it out before. But it's not, it's getting there. It's not where we want it yet. We've still got loads to do. All the bedrooms got to be finished. The bathrooms got to be done. But, but it's, it's good enough to take to shows now. Not to be fully functional, but to sit here like last night, we invited people around that were sat in their lorries with their phones. We're like coming on the trailer, the telly's on, beers are here, help yourself and watch a football. Just to use to entertain, really, and have a laugh and somewhere to sit and relax. No, it's great. Nice um, work in progress, for sure. Aye, you've got loads of potential to um, to get it out and get it to uh, a big variety of different different places now, going for, hopefully with um, normality here to stay. How are you, how are you um, enjoying driving the Scania? Had you done um, much lorry driving, uh, like for, for work? Uh, no, not really. I, I do bits and pieces for local farmers. So um, down our way, there's a couple of big farms, and if they get busy or they're struggling the weekends, I'll jump in with them, I'll do driving for them, and I'll do stuff for Penfolds in Newhaven. I've done a couple of little bits to help them out and that. But yeah, not, not a massive amount of driving, but I've done all my CPC and that to make it all legal and... How are you enjoying um, driving the, the, the Scania? Because that's something proper... Um, well, the, the 144, it's a proper uh, classic truck now, you know. It's, yeah. um, they've come on. The 143's been um, like that for a, for a long time. They've been really uh, highly desirable. And um, you've probably got in it just the right time. We're getting, we're getting the 144, because I think the values of them are only going to go one way that that was bought I had a choice it was three lorries I was looking for I was looking for a three series a four series or I was looking for an old Merc SK or an NG sort of around that sort of era and that came up at the right time so I bought it the price was right I'd never sell it I've been offered money for it it won't go that will always be kept if anything it'll get painted and then put away I've got a couple of other classic motors that are stored and that'll end up getting decorated sorted out and put away and then hopefully we'll do this sell it and buy another one start again and do another project. Sell the trailer, but I'll always keep the lorry. How have you enjoyed the weekend here at um, Convoy on the plane? I mean, it's the first show I've been to um, for for quite some time. I was at Brands Hatch a few weeks back, which wasn't really really, um, really the sort of same. I've, uh, I think it, it's been not not bad at all for a, a first effort at a little show, I think. It's, it's been nice. Don't get me wrong, it's been nice. It's been relaxed. You've had no one sort of coming round driving you mad and it has been chilled but I thought there'd be more stuff here like there's no fairground rides here or anything for the kids there's no sh- stalls like there's no auto smart or no one here selling stuff it's just literally a truck show I mean I feel sorry for the people at the back because they've been yeah. stuck right up in that, and I don't know what that's about or why they've done that but they keep locking the gates so then people yeah. are having to walk miles to use the toilets for some reason I don't know why that is a lot of this stuff it's because uh a lot of corona restrictions um because this is a spectator event uh because of the truck racing it means that there's a whole load more complicated regulations involved around uh, compared to it just being a straight up truck show so i think a lot of stuff had to be sort of um uh cancelled yeah but the, the i think the race circuit um has been uh, uh, a little difficult, yeah, with the, the, those gates getting locked and uh, like the access to the paddocks not available today and yeah. and, th- and things and things as well. So, 
Aye, that's just race circuits, though. I always find them um, slightly um, awkward. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of the shows. That's, that's why you come to these shows. Mm. It's, it's, truck shows have always been better than anyone else yeah. to go to for freedom, meeting people, talking, and the whole relaxed atmosphere. And I understand, you know, we have gone through a massive pandemic. But even still, you know, like, like yesterday, you could walk around. So why today they're saying, no, I, I don't fully get that. Something's obviously happened or something's changed overnight or something, something's gone on. But for some, but why you can't go around there today when they're happy for you to go around there Friday? I mean, Friday we were walking down the track and everything, and last night. But today, nothing. Very odd. There's obviously a reason for it, but what it is, I don't know. Ah, so um, what's um, next on the agenda uh, for you and uh, Scania? Um, do you have any other shows lined up to go to? I think we're doing definitely going to do Swede Fest. I've never done Swedefest and speaking to a lot of people that's really really good I'm going to do brands again at the end of the year and I think we're going to do one of the truck fests I think there's another one to go to I can't remember what it is in the diary but I think we're going to do three more shows this year and then this will get put away and then hopefully by this time next year it will be finished all the outside will be sprayed all the livery from the lorry will continue down the outside we'll have some durabrites on it or we'll get the wheels painted or again Dougie you know yourself it's a labour of love it's, it's money it's time and it's, it just consumes your life. I, I, I used to love a Saturday in the pub with the lads, drinking and having a laugh and betting on horses. Now, Saturdays are gone. Every Saturday, we're, we're working on this trailer. Ah, but I mean, technically, you're building your own pub anyway. So, you know, it, it's, um, it's, it's a good investment to have a, a kind of a living accommodation show trailer. Um, you can really get of a, um, a lot of... Uh, a lot of value, a lot of use and enjoyment out one of one of these once you've once you've got it built. Some of them, some of them out there are really you know tremendous yeah. the, the way that people have built them up. And this one looks like it's going to turn out turn out really well. And all um, it should do. It should do. I mean, we haven't. I'll show you the bathroom in a, in a minute. But I'm a bit of a. I'll be honest. With you, I'm a bit of a tart when it comes to facilities. Like I don't like sharing toilets. I don't like. <laughs> I don't like getting in pube filled showers. So having it all yourself is. You know what I mean? You can sort of... It's your own, then, isn't it? You haven't got to keep sharing toilets and stuff. And I... Yeah, there's nothing worse than getting out in the middle of the night, busting for the loo and having to run up, up a bank or run in to try and find a toilet. Whereas here, everything's contained. And it's just... Yeah. It's here for everyone to enjoy. Anyone at the show wants to come and have a cup of tea or beer, football, kettle's there. It's always on. Everyone's welcome. Well, uh, thanks very much for uh, for your time. And I hope you enjoy the uh, rest of the show. And you do, Dougie. Thank you for for listening to the truck and driver podcast please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode to keep up to date with the latest news 100 for drivers visit truckanddriver.co.uk where you can also subscribe to the print edition of truck and driver magazine which publishes on the last friday of every month the truck and driver podcast is produced by sound rebel to find out more please visit soundrebel.co.uk